News, views, opinions, and attitudes. Attitudes. There's actually uh, intriguing talk. You know, they talk about the news. And you have to respect them for that. You're listening to Right On Radio. Hey, everybody, welcome to Right On Radio. This is a bonus edition that's for you because, again, we talk about live right in the real world. You have to understand what the real world is if you want to know how to live right. And today's topic is actually going to be, I think you're going to have a paradigm shift in the way you're thinking in the propaganda that you've absorbed over all of these years where God has created perfection in his creation and there are all kinds of natural things that you can do to improve your life and to get away from the medical cartels so one of the things i just want to preempt this conversation with is we uh do random telegram chats and sometimes we do them at all hours of the day and this one particular day earlier this week i believe we were doing it uh, you know in my time zone somewhere around 5 a.m so of course we had people on from Australia and from Ireland and from all around the globe and from uh, Italy or just outside of Italy. I got to qualify that a little bit more, but our guest today, his name is Gregor Zorn and he impressed everybody on this chat and it was mind blowing. Every time we do a chat, there seems to be someone who comes forward and it just really, really lays an impression on everybody involved. So so Gregor is, well, first of all, he has a science and biology background. He's a teacher, he's a researcher, he's an educator, and he's able to convey these messages in a way that isn't, uh, you know, too technical for you to understand. And so it is with my great pleasure that I bring on one of your fellow listeners, Gregor to the program. Gregor, welcome to Right On Radio. Thank you very much, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. So one of the things that stood out to me is, is obviously, you know, we're going to get into the topics of medical marijuana and some of the, uh, the, the useful purposes of it. But one of the things you had said to me just prior to coming on air, Gregor, is that uh, you actually had your background in nutrition. And nutrition is the fuel that goes into our bodies. But yet, uh, I know from my own personal experience that doctors who go through, you know, the, the Rockefeller Teaching Foundations get about four hours of nutrition. And that's, you know, based on everything that, you know, goes into our body fuels us. And, and so how does that play into your research and where does it go from there? Well, it's very important. And uh, as you mentioned, I did start in nutrition. Uh, I was very interested, especially in the health aspects of nutrition. And as you mentioned, what you put inside your body actually provides the health that you need or the unhealth that you get from not uh, getting the right nutrients and not getting the right food. So this was something that I was very interested. I was always, always very interested in natural things. So uh, applying uh, these old, uh, let's say, this, this old knowledge that we had from centuries uh, on, on health that has been somewhat, let's say, uh, um, banished in a sense with this new, uh, more, um, let's say, pharma-based uh, research that has come. And uh, it's, it's actually very interesting because nutrition is in my opinion, the number one aspect of health. 
uh, it's just logical what you intake into your body provides you with the nutrients and everything your body needs to work properly if you don't have your body does not work properly and there can be issues of course and this causes diseases this causes all kinds of medical conditions and syndromes and the problem is of course with, with the food uh, everybody's talking about what you should eat uh, and what are the compositions of uh, this food but one of the important aspects is also how it is grown so where does it come from it's not only about uh, let's say eating more vegetables and fruit where do these vegetables come from how are they grown are pesticides being used and so on and also with the meat you know how is this this meat being grown how, how are these animals being grown are they being fed which type of food are they being uh let's say um jabbed with different substances are they being also uh, uh, given uh, hormones for their growth and so on and everything that they're given of course comes into your body when you consume this food and this has effects on your health uh, so it's it's an important aspect that is being just marginalized in our very fast society right now where so much uh, time is um, allocated to other things whereas for food we're getting less and less time and eating faster and doing it in just 10 minutes and not really thinking about what we are putting into our bodies and there is a depletion also of the food that we are actually buying and is provided let's say in uh, supermarkets and stores because it is grown also in this fast new world without actually achieving the nutritional aspects that it should have uh, we know that fruits and vegetables oftentimes are picked when they're uh, green so they don't have the time to develop and to uh, let's say produce all of these nutrients that our body actually needs so getting and the proper ripening cycle with the with the sunlight and everything because they're essentially becoming ripe inside the back of a truck exactly exactly they're, they're artificially being ripened and this is of course due to uh, globalization due to the fact that the majority of the foods are not locally grown they're just imported this is of course economics of mass consumption and so on so uh yeah one of the things that is important is buying all always locally if you can and seasonal food that is the best choice because if it's seasonal there is an overabundance of that food and if it's local there is a bigger chance that it has been grown of course uh in a more natural way and uh, choosing ecologically grown uh let's say foods that's very important i think uh the more we go back to nature the more we have from nature i think uh, so this is very important and uh, there is of course this notion that uh, foods are not enough especially in this day and age we do need supplements i think it's very very difficult to achieve the whole nutritional aspect all the nutrients that you need all the vitamins all the minerals antioxidants and so on that you actually need just with food especially the, the more food is prepared the less you need to do when you buy it to consume it the more i think it's depleted in a nutritional sense so the more so, it's let, let me ask you a couple of questions there because obviously 
you know, I think God created a perfect environment, but you know, God, you know, now we live in, uh, atmospheres where we're under fluorescent lights where we're in these different areas like that that are not natural we're in a man-made you know sort of utopia uh, but just based on your science and biological uh researches and and not to get too deep in it but you know all of all of these foods are you know basically come from one company they're putting the hormones in as you said they're pre-ripening they're doing all these things and some of it is just uh practicality logistics and that uh, and ensuring profitability obviously comes into it in the farms. But what are the effects on the human body if you eat these fast foods with these hormones and things like that? What what starts to happen in the human body? Well, there are a lot of issues, of course. Uh, the first thing is that you get a lot of calories, but you do not get the nutrients. Now, our body needs nutrients. It needs the vitamins. These are essential compounds that we do not produce. So our body can make them by themselves. So we need to have them from food. Uh, and if you, if with these new fast foods, their nutritional value is very, very low. And uh, you get satiated. Well, you get, you get full in a sense, but you, your body does not get the nutrients it needs to work properly. And that's an issue. That's a big issue. Um, and we get a lot of calories, a lot of energy. And that's the other issue because our bodies in this lifestyle that we have, the majority of us, it's more or less sedentary. We don't have enough physical activity to burn off all these calories. So they start accumulating. And the problem is also the types, let's say, of fats that we consume the types of sugars that we consume um, these are very important facts so fats have been demonized by by uh let's say uh, the current system and everybody is against fats in a sense but fats are really essential to our body they're very very um, needed every cell needs fats they're a very good um storage for calories, actually, it's the best fats are which the is best. your energy. It's your energy, actually. You get the energy from everything, but everything in the body gets transformed into fats that you do not consume another way. So proteins and uh, amino acids, in a sense, and uh, also sugars. If you don't uh, use them, they get stored as fats, but they do not go back. So it's a mm -hmm. one-way process. Also, fats get stored as fats. Why? Because fats are inert. So uh, you, don't, you, you can store as much as you can, and it doesn't change, it doesn't affect the equilibrium, the homeostasis of your body. So that's very important. Um, but, of course, they do provoke certain uh, issues in the body. If you get fat, too much fat, of course, the problem is that they don't um, accumulate only in places where they're seen. So in this the stomach on the thighs and so on but they also accumulate inside your of your body around your organs and that's a, a bigger problem of course having all these fatty tissues inside of your body is not a good thing um, also the type of fats that we consume uh, is also a big issue because our body needs very specific type of fats we all heard about omega-3s so these type of fats that we actually get very, very little. 
in our normal Western, let's say, diet. They, they practically do not exist, but they're very important. They're very important for our bodies. And we get a whole lot of other fats, the omega-6s, and the ratio of these two types of fats should be somewhere between 1 to 1 to 1 to 4 of omega uh, omega threes to omega sixes, but the ratio is is totally. It's like a twenty to one, or even two hundred to one of omega sixes compared to omega threes. So you really do not get these omega threes that your body needs. And if it doesn't have these omega threes, it actually uses other fats. It incorporates other fats which are not the same and do not function and do not have the same. Let's say. Um, functions in our body and also they do provoke inflammation omega-3 fats are anti-inflammatory they're very important and there's a whole science beha- behind them because inflammation is actually it's almost all sickness right that's that's so so correct inflammation is actually the cause of many kinds of diseases not only it's provoked by having a disease but actually it causes diseases as an example um, 15 to 20% of all cancers are caused by inflammation. And just to be clear, inflammation is, is a very important aspect of our immune system. So it's, it's, a, it's a process that our immune system uses to fight off, let's say, infl- uh, um, pathogens such as viruses or bacteria or insults or injuries. So it's a very normal aspect of our immune system. The problem is when you get chronic inflammation. So when this inflammation persists over time, with chronic inflammation, usually you get also chronic pain. So that's a big problem. And this can, of course, go on for months, for years, and it causes all kinds of issues. And it can cause diseases, various types of diseases. So having anti-inflammatory compounds such as the omega-3s is very important to tackle this inflammation and not only insults also stress can cause inflammation and we know there's a lot of stress around right now so having all these types of molecules and compounds that can reduce inflammation is very important and here we can tie into uh, cannabinoids so well actually so let let me just say something before you do because i I just to just to kind of summarize what you were saying about nutrition and you know it's very important for us to do as much locally sourced as possible uh but in the western society let's face it it's not that easy and to replace 100% of our diet with all natural so uh what what happens is is you know pretty much the world's food supply is coming from one company that's engineering everything and you know uh on this show obviously we dig a little bit deeper into things and you know, really what it comes down to is, pro, uh, you know, problem, reaction, solution. And so they've created the problem. It's creating this inflammation in you. You're getting the wrong fats, which are making you gain weight. We're putting more things on your on your heart like this. It just attacks your body and any, your skin even, you know, uh, gets out of, out of the right way that it should be. And, you know, you're more susceptible to the sun. It goes so deep. It, it attacks us on every single level. And so the reaction is that you, you know, have a negative reaction to it. And the solution has always been going to your traditional medical uh, things, which most people go to first. And one of the things that 
uh, as a major point that uh, we want to cover today is perhaps you don't go that way first. We're not against going to a doctor. Doctors are smart. Most of them care, uh, I would say. But sometimes you should really go to the natural solution first. And I have firsthand testimony of members of my family who cannabinoids have really made a difference and, and actually given them life where, where the medical medicines were taking away their life. So uh, that's why we want to bring this topic to you is so you can look at this first uh, and then, you know, the other traditional way as a secondary. So go ahead. Let, let's start on the cannabinoids. So cannabinoids or plant cannabinoids specifically, so phyto being meaning plant phytocannabinoids, these are compounds that are made by a plant called cannabis sativa. And this is just a normal plant that everybody knows also as hemp. But uh, if we look at the species, it is only it's one species with different types of varieties of this plant. And it has been used for centuries as a crop. It has been used for medicinal use. It has been used for spiritual use. And uh, it has been used as building material, as a fabric, as many things. So it's an important crop, uh, one of the first crops actually to be used by humans, uh, by archaeological studies. And it has a great importance. And it has been used, of course, in the places where it was present. So it originated in the Tibetan plateau, so in um, Central or Eastern Asia. That's the birthplace of this plant. And then it, of course, it um, went all over the world. But in the ancient cultures where this plant was present, so in India, in uh, China, in Assyria, in other countries, um, in Afghanistan, it was actually used for medicinal use. And this is one of the fields that most most interests me uh, is the medicinal use of cannabis and cannabinoids. And uh, it goes back, as I said, uh, centuries ago, the first written um, use of medical cannabis, cannabis actually comes from China. So where it originated and then it expanded all over the world. Uh, it came to the Western world via doctors who were actually studying in India. So English doctors, they were studying in India and they saw that the locals were using this plant and uh, various applications of this plant, various compounds for medicinal use. And they brought it back to England. And uh, an Irish doctor, um, Dr. William O'Shaughnessy, is, let's say, one of the first who used it and actually wrote about it in England. And he treated a lot of symptoms and there were other doctors that started using it and a lot of studies were published at that time it was also used in the united states from 1850 till its prohibition in 1936 it was one of the most used medicines uh, for over a hundred different medical conditions so, so we what have was the reason why they did prohibition on it that's a very good question. Uh, everybody says is because cannabis, we all know, has a compound that causes intoxication, that causes the so-called high effect. So this compound is delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol. So uh, for short, it's THC. So THC was 
the main, let's say, culprit that they wanted to use because it had an intoxicating effect. And there was, again, a very, very well organized and funded campaign to uh, demonize practically this, this plant. And it was actually called the devil's weed. And they had a very, very uh, successful campaign where they use racism and they use all these fears, all these, again, manipulations were used by people who wanted to prohibit this plant. Uh, and they did. They actually did with the Marijuana Tax Act in 1936. They prohibited, they made it impossible to grow. But it wasn't actually because of the THC or the, the intoxication that it caused. It was because of the plant. So hemp, as I mentioned, has many uses. It's a very, very interesting crop. And you can make more than 25,000 different products from this plant it's and it's, it's the fastest replenishing crop that i know of yeah it grows very fast uh, even i think bamboo is faster but uh it, it grows literally you can see it growing every day uh, in a sense it, it's an extraordinary plant in a sense because uh, you can use every single part of it and uh, the pulp inside you can make uh, the cellulose you can make actually plastic bioplastic mm, so that's imagine the big one. yeah that's the big one of course you can make just about anything from it and it's biodegradable that's another important fact so uh also the fibers they're incredibly useful uh they're resistant to molds they're resistant to fire they're the best insulator they keep you warm in the winter time cool in the, in the summer and so so it has extraordinary use and the logic at that time was that they wanted to use this crop so they wanted to give the farmers the opportunity of growing this crop for the industry to then make different products but there was a problem of course and it was the oil industry the oil industry at that time started producing all of these synthetic products made from different parts of the oil so cannabis was a big or hemp in a sense was a big problem also uh, on the same let's say hectare of land where you can, where you grow trees you can produce four times more paper from cannabis than from trees so it's again very useful plant but it was a problem because all of these people invested a lot uh, and they had investments from bankers um, to, in this new industry. And cannabis was deemed as the million dollar crop. But so it had to be taken out, literally. And they did it, as I said, with this campaign. It was called Reefer Madness, where they invented all of these allegations that cannabis causes this and that, that people go crazy when they use it, that they become um, um, just want to kill other people that uh, their sex <laughs> all of these wonderful things and of course they use the racist card they were very intelligent they were saying that uh, you know white women when they use reefer so to speak so cannabis they they want to have um sex with other races right with 
in a sense with Filipinos, with Mexicans, and so on. So again, they touched all of these fears that uh, the white majority, in a sense, at that time had, and they were very successful. Plus, they invented this new name. They called it marijuana. So everybody knew about hemp. It was a crop. Everybody used it. It was something that rope was made of and so on. So it was very known to the people. But marijuana had this exotic sound and nobody really knew uh, what was it, what it was actually. And they used this novelty of the world, of the word, and introduce all of these facts which were totally non-scientific and uh, and they caused this fear and when the senators actually voted for this marijuana tax act they didn't know that they were voting also for hemp and they prohibited hemp and it had been prohibited since then till i think 2018 in the united states they uh, in 2018 they reintroduced hemp and farmers can grow it so, so what i find interesting about this and, and you know it, it's it's amazing i've never really researched i had always heard the devil's weed and of course marriage marijuana and stuff but when you think of all the different very planned and articulated hits on this uh what it does is and first of all when you uh you know if you ban something the demand goes up when you say there's an intoxifying effect, demand goes up and is banned from you. You really want to try it. And then you say, you know, it's going to want, make women want to have sex. My goodness, the demand goes up, but they make it illegal to get rid of their competition because we know who has been running the cartels for all these years. They just got rid of their competitions. That was it. Exactly. And it started first in the United States. And then they achieved this policy all over the world. Yes. All over the world. So it got really banned in all of these countries. And even the hemp, of course, which was the main target, it got less and less and less. And now we're seeing a rebirth of hemp, of medical cannabis being introduced, being legalized, having medical cannabis programs and laws in different countries. In over 35 states of the United States, you have a medical cannabis uh, legislator, let's say, also in Canada, you have uh, medical cannabis in different parts of uh, of South America, such as Brazil, Colombia, Uruguay. You have uh, medical cannabis. Also in Europe, about half of the European states have some sort of medical cannabis law. Uh, with Germany and Italy being the two so, main where medical cannabis is used. So why do you think now they're allowing it? And why why now? Why in the last five years? It's interesting uh, because there has been a movement. So there have been people who have been using it medicinally. But of course, it was uh, uh, illegal. So it was a whole black market. But people were using it. And uh, I think the major changes came when science saw how it works in our body. So one of the big issues of uh, medical cannabis and cannabinoids, the compounds that it makes, was that they didn't really understand how it works. And they didn't know exactly on what system in our body it affects. And this was, let's say, elucidated in 1992, where they found the first endogenous compound 
So the compound that our body makes, produces, which was a cannabinoid. So it was an endocannabinoid, an endogenous cannabinoid, which actually binds, so it activated a receptor that also THC activates. They did find this receptor before, but they needed to find this compound, which was a ligand, so to speak. So it was actually activating. It fitted and had some effects on this receptor, which was on the cell. And this was 1992. And then you can see a huge increase in the research of how uh, these compounds act in our body. And of course, then we understood that we actually in our body have a system called the endocannabinoid system, our endogenous cannabinoid system, where cannabinoids, so phytocannabinoids, actually work on. But we also produce our own cannabinoids all the time. We are all producing them right now. And they have a very, very important function. And this system has an important function. And again, it's very new in a sense, uh, 25 years plus. Um, the problem is that um, uh, it is a system that is still being researched. It's extremely important because it's like an oversight system of all the other physiological systems in our body. So we all heard about the nervous system, the immune system, the cardiovascular system, the reproductive system, and so on. But most of us did not hear about the endocannabinoid system. And what does this system do? It actually monitors all the other systems and it provides balance to the body. So it's a very important system. It has effects on your sleep, on your eating habits, on the protection of your body, even on memory and forgetting. So it's, it's a very important system. Plus it regulates, it monitors all the other systems so that they work in harmony, so that they work at an optimal rate so that the body is at its homeostasis, which is the balance of the body, the balance of the tissues, of the cells, of the organs. So very important system. And now that we, of course, understand better how this works, we can provide better evidence and better studies and actually understand how these compounds work in our body, what do they do, and what are their beneficial or maybe detrimental effects. And this is really what drove everything. It was the science. And you cannot just uh, prohibit the science. It is unstoppable. And now we're seeing an enormity of research, practical studies coming out uh, each and every single day about cannabinoids, about the endocannabinoid system, about cannabis. There's a lot of research because, again, it's a very, very interesting plant that makes these compounds called phytocannabinoids and just two of them have really been researched. And these are THC, as I mentioned before, tetrahydrocannabinol and CBD or cannabidiol. But the plant produces over 170 of these compounds. So, so I, I want to get into that, Gregor, but you said a yeah. word that uh, that has come up and I, and I know it because I one of the courses on our uh, Right On You uh, website is done by Lenka and she talks a lot about homeostasis and that's actually her the point of how she was able to cure her cancers and cure uh different things in her body but uh, could you define what uh, what that what that word means because it seems to be very important sure homeostasis is the optimal environment let's say if you're talking about the cell 
where a cell functions. So the optimal levels of water, of nutrients, of minerals, the optimal pH. We must understand that in every cell, uh, a lot of chemical reactions happen all the time. It's a living, breathing organism that has a lot of these um, chemical reactions happening. And there are billions of these chemical reactions happening in our body at every second. So it's a very complex system and it has to run in its optimal state. And there, this is where homeostasis come into, comes into play. We can understand it as a balance, the optimal balance of a cell, of a tissue, of an organ, so that it works effectively. Now, if we look at as, as an example to temperature control, we know that our body has an optimal temperature. And if the body overheats, if we produce too much heat or we are in the sun, then of course, different systems go into action and we start sweating, uh, the veins dilate and the arteries dilate. So uh, the sweat then evaporates and takes away, of course, the energy and the heat and we start to cool down again to the optimal state. If the opposite happens, so if we get cold, uh, the arteries and the veins, they start to constrict, your muscles start to shiver. So you start producing energy and heat. And then again, you your body tries to get to that optimal level of temperature. So this is homeostasis. In wow, a what a great explanation. What a, that, that was really fantastic, Gregor. I appreciate that. So how, how does, how does go, and I didn't want to take you off of, uh, off of, you know, the, the cannabinoids and stuff like that, but I just felt it was really important to define that. So now using, you know, one some of your research and that, and, and I want to go back and point out, he comes from a nutritional background, which is so foundational. And now we, we bring into this, how does this help our bodies and what are the medicinal effects that we can start to, uh, to extract from from this wonderful plant yeah and if if i just stop on you mentioned the nutritional aspect uh cannabis or hemp which is just a variety of cannabis that is defined by the level of thc uh usually there's a limit um produces seeds we all know of uh, hemp oil so these seeds are actually nuts they're hemp nuts and these nuts have an extremely interesting nutritional value. They actually have plant omega-3s. So the, 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 as I mentioned before, the fats that our body needs in plant form, and it's one of the few plants that actually produces these omega-3s in the form of linoleic acid. Now, it also has another in interesting aspect. It has all the 20 amino acids that our body needs. So amino acids are the building blocks of proteins. Proteins are the building blocks of our body. You can imagine that you have like a Lego, you have 20 different types of Lego, and with those 20 different types of Lego, you can make anything. And that's what our body needs. The problem is with plant foods that a lot of these uh, protein sources of plant food only have some of these 20 amino acids. So that's why you usually combine different types of, uh, let's say, uh, plant foods, such as beans and uh, seeds. So they so to have a full spectrum of all these of all of these amino acids. Now meat usually has all of these amino acids, but with plant material, it's usually a problem. 
whereas hemp seeds actually have all of these 20 amino acids. So that's another thing that is unusual. And uh, so it's a very interesting, again, nutritional food. It's a superfood, actually, uh, these hemp nuts that you can eat. Just uh, the problem is, of course, that um, omega-3s are usually heat sensitive. So it's usually a good idea to eat these seeds or nuts and not heat them. So eat them raw in a sense and just put them in a smoothie or wherever. And uh, so this is, the, let's say, the nutritional aspect. Then we go. Do they taste to, okay? They taste like nutty, really nutty. That, oh, you, well, most people like that. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful taste. I eat them every day. So, you know. Uh, and I, and I, if someone has a nut allergy, though, that's, is it going to affect no, them? No, because they are nuts, nuts in a sense. They are nuts um, speaking from a botanical point of view. They look like seeds. They don't have anything uh, with nuts. Uh, they but just have the nutty taste. They do have the nutty taste and they have the outer shell and they have the inner core. So you can have dehulled, so without the outer shell. And this is where the, the nice nutty taste comes from because the outer shell is, well, it's hard. So it's it's difficult in a sense. You can eat the whole seed, but it's better, in my opinion, if you try the dehulled, only the inner core of the seed and it really for me it it actually tastes like nuts so and i haven't heard of anybody having allergies to uh, these seeds for now so uh it's interesting to try uh, again of course always try first uh, a little bit see if you if your body reacts to it that's just uh, common just sense yeah common sense general logic that you try it a little bit see how your body reacts and then if you find it good, use it because, again, it's a great resource of omega-3s, of uh, proteins and fiber, of course. Another aspect that is lacking from our diet is fiber, which is extremely important in our, uh, let's say, gut system and with feeding, of course, of our beneficial bacteria, right? So going back to the plant, the other uh, important aspect are these compounds that the plant produces. And these are called cannabinoids from the cannabis plant. They got their name. And as I mentioned before, two of them are mainly researched. These are uh, delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, or THC, and cannabidiol, or CBD. Now, only one of these compounds actually produces the intoxication, or generally speaking, the so-called high. And this is delta-9 THC. CBD does not produce, and all the other hundreds or over 100 compounds actually do not produce this intoxication. So when talking about pot, you know, producing this and that effect, it's actually just one compound that, that, that produces mainly this effect. And you all have to actually heat up the THC to get that effect, right? Exactly, because uh, the plant does not produce... THC per se, it produces a precursor in the form of an acid. So it's called THCA, A standing for acid. It also produces, doesn't produce CBD, it produces CBDA, CBD acid. And this is not a, an acid that it burns you. It's just, a, again, a chemical term. That means it's an acid chemically because of a specific group that it's it acidic. has. Yeah, it's so it's acidic. In other uh, no, it's not the same thing. Oh, no, it's not, no, it's not acidic. So it just has a carboxyl group. So it has a COOH group that makes it, in a sense, 
it makes it uh, an asset. But as you mentioned, if we heat, uh, let's say, uh, these compounds, then a process called decarboxylation occurs. So you get from the acidic form, you get the neutral form. So from CBDA or THCA, you get CBD or THC. And this is actually the activating part. Now, uh, uh, cannabinoid acids also have their uses. And what's interesting that THCA is not intoxicating. It does not produce the high. So actually the cannabis plant does not produce a compound which makes you high. You actually have to transform it in a sense by heat or via oxygen or other, um, or UV, let's say light. It can also transform to have this effect. So I, I have a real obvious question here okay. and it's a, and it's a little bit off topic, but I know someone else is thinking of it. I've listen, I've been away from the scene for a while, but I know all the talk right now is edibles. And sure. so why, if it needs to be lit, how do you put pot in a brownie and still get intoxicated? How does that work? That's a great question. You actually do not put pot in a brownie. You extract from the pot the cannabinoids, you heat them up, and then you make the brownie. That's usually how it's done. So uh, this process of extraction is how you condense these compounds in a sense. You make them more, uh, you elevate the percentage of these compounds of CBD or THC, and then you have to actually heat them to get CBD or THC. And then you use this so this uh, extract, which again, another interesting thing is that cannabinoids, you can think of them as fats. They're lipophilic and hydrophobic. So they love fats and they hate water. So think of them as fats. And as fats, you can actually mix them with other fats. So you can make, you can mix this extract with, let's say, butter, or you can mix it with coconut oil, and then you can make all the goodies, bakery goodies that you want. You can make oh, brown. you know what? I just remember someone said something about doing the butter or something like that and yeah. then putting it in. Yeah. Okay. I, I just, I've been having trouble making the connection. Yeah. Yeah. If you actually just, you know, uh, put the green, let's say, uh, buds or flowers into the bud, you wouldn't have anything. You, you would bake it. Then there is a temperature rise, of course, when you bake it. But if you eat, let's say, a green bud, just like that, you will not get high. There's nothing, again, yeah. Yeah, it's THCA, you know. But also THCA has some beneficial effects. One of it being it's a potent anti-inflammatory. And this is... Oh, wow. Again, oh, yeah. Uh, this is why I mentioned inflammation with cannabinoids, going back, right? Because many of these phytocannabinoids actually have shown great anti-inflammatory uh, capabilities. And we know that inflammation is a big problem right now. So this is also one of the reasons why cannabis, medical cannabis and cannabinoids are so effective and can treat such a wide variety of different diseases or symptoms because of their anti-inflammatory effect. And again, we mentioned before, a lot of these diseases even Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease are based with chronic inflammation. And chronic inflammation is a big, big factor in our time. As, as I mentioned before, even stress can cause inflammation. So anything, again, that is anti-inflammatory is good 
in a sense, to take in your body to reduce this stress, this inflammatory process in your body, which can cause a lot of damage. And cannabinoids do cause this. Another thing that is also interesting, let's say, with THC and CBD, that they also act as antioxidants. And this is another big word that you hear all the time, of course. Uh, antioxidants are also good for your body. And CBD, let's say, has the same uh, oxidative capabilities as vitamin A or E. So it's an antioxidant. And this, again, helps your body and your immune system get rid of this of these free radicals that are extremely reactive and they can cause damage in your body. So having an antioxidant reduces it, inhibits these oxidants from doing damage in your body. That's another aspect. And, and building up the immune system has probably never been more important than uh, living in you know 2021 going into 2022. Very important, exactly. Not only building your immune system, but helping your immune system in a sense that you actually help it to reduce its burden. That's why we take vitamin C. It's also an antioxidant mm-hmm. and it has important function in our body. And this is helping the immune system not to work so much or to focus on other things, such as getting rid of bacteria, getting rid of cancer cells, getting rid of pathogenic uh, viruses and so on. So again, these, these, are, these are all helping things that you can do to help your body be more effective and help your immune system work better. And of course, there are things that your immune system needs to work. And such a thing is vitamin D. And this, again, is a very popular topic right now because without vitamin D3, your immune system cannot work properly. And, and, that, and that sunlight essentially is the, probably the most natural source. Exactly. But, but people work in cubicles and people work in different areas where they don't get the sun. Exactly. Your skin has to be exposed for a certain time to the sun to produce the vitamin D. So there's a catch. It's not only being outside and breathe fresh air. No, no, no. Your skin has to be exposed. And that produces the vitamin D. And the majority also studies right now uh, are showing that a majority of people who are hospitalized, especially the elderly, and as you mentioned, these people do not see the sun enough for enough time to actually produce vitamin D3. They do not get it from food, so they are vitamin D deficient. And this is a big problem. And of course, this is where if you do not get it from food, you have to take uh, some something else. Supplement. Supplements, yeah, exactly, in the form of different natural or, or uh, synthetic vitamin D that actually enhances the level of vitamin D that is essential right now. And especially now in the northern hemisphere where we're seeing we're transitioning towards winter, the temperatures are going down. And this is a very stressful situation for our immune system mm-hmm. and for our bodies. There are temperature differences and so on between the night and the, the day. And so this is critical right now to really enhance and help your immune system to fight off all of these pathogens by really taking these supplements such as vitamin C, vitamin D, and other antioxidants, other anti-inflammatory agents. So I, I, I'm so impressed with your knowledge. And, and so far, you know, I, I throw anything at you, you've been able to overcome it. But I have to ask this because we're talking about vitamin D and the sunshine. And, you know, we talked about, 
you know, where all, all our food sources come from. And, you know, we're starting to learn that the world's kind of conspiracy conspiring against us in many ways. How does sunscreen fit into this? Because, you know, it's blocking the sun from getting onto your skin. Does, does that have any effect or like, what, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, this is a very controversial topic. And again, I am not a doctor. These are not medical advice. These are just findings and personal opinions that we're saying right now. And just from studies that have shown this and that preclinical and clinical studies. So uh, the issue is, yeah, there is a big issue with, first of all, what are you putting on your skin? So that is the first question that anybody needs to ask, because our skin is like a sponge. It can absorb a lot of stuff. And a lot of stuff can go into your body, into your cardiovascular system and have an, a systemic absorption. So it goes actually into your body. It doesn't stay only on your skin. And this, this doesn't apply only to uh, sunscreen, but also to, let's say, makeup products. Mm -hmm. right? So uh, it's a whole, let's say, different topic. But again, uh, what are the compounds that are, you are putting on your skin? And we, with these classical sunscreens, there are a lot of compounds that are toxic and that your body absorbs. And this is the first problem. So also people usually do not know how to correctly use the sunscreen. And to be frank, people usually do not have common sense. So it's common sense that you do not stay in the sun when the sun is at its highest point in the summer. So between 11 and three o'clock, nobody should be exposed to the sun. That's just common sense. But you see a lot of people who have only 14 days or something to get their tan, right? And they're all day on, on, on the sun. And that's a stress factor. That's inflammation. Inflammation actually causes, uh, it's, it's a type of inflammation that causes the browning of the skin. Of course, it's the melanin in your skin, but it is an inflammatory process. And this inflammation, you can see it if you are exposed to the sun too much. It goes into burns and so on, and you have real lesions on your skin if you're exposed too much. This is an inflammatory process. So first of all, common sense. You know, when the sun is, 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 is high from 11 to 3, you shouldn't be exposed to the sun. You should be in the shade. Uh, or, or cover your skin as much exactly. as possible. Exactly. You know, um, the second thing is that uh, you mentioned these sunscreens, they have a lot of toxins. And also, does the sun really provoke skin cancer? And this, of course, is a very controversial topic. But if you look at the research and if you look uh, practically at, let's say, fishermen who are exposed to the sun all the time, those that fish, of course, during the day, not at night, they do not have a higher rate of skin cancer to co compare to other populations. And they're exposed to the sun all of the time. And, and I've always said that about, you know, the, the Caribbean islands and stuff like that, where people are in the sun constantly, yeah. uh, they have much lower rates. Exactly. So uh, the question is, does do these compounds that are actually present in these creams and these sunscreens cause any type of, let's say, cancer? So they again, might... not medical advice, but these oh, are questions that, that questions. each person can ask and start to uh, to 
you know, find out some things because listen, this is the practical application of, you know, all this knowledge, like the, you know, we can't, we have to get it in the sun, you know, at some point. So this is really practical. I appreciate everything you're telling us. And by the way, there are uh, different products that are ecological that don't have all of these toxins. So ecological tox screens, uh, screens for the, against the sun that you can get. They're more expensive, of course, uh, but you can get them. So there is an alternative. There's always an alternative. And all but these cheap uh, products that you can buy in every store, I would be very cautious and really read what's inside of them. You know, read, read the label, read the ingredient list. And it, it, it will shock you how many of these compounds are in these sunscreens. And that's a good advice for anything, really. Anything that you buy, you should really read what's inside, what's on the label, especially in food and especially in all kinds of cosmetic products, even toothpaste and other stuff that you use every single day. Read what's inside. And if you find anything that you don't know what, what's inside, just you know research it on the Internet. And you will see, you will find many interesting things. Be your own researcher. It's your body. It's your, you know, it's your, actually, you have to be responsible for your body and for your family. And you have to do research yourself because nobody else is going to do it. If you listen to what people are saying or what you see on the TV, well, everybody has a financial motive, right? So you need to be very careful. And you have only one body and you really need to respect it by knowing what you're putting into it and what you're putting onto it and really taking care of it. And, and, you know, I just want to further that point because, you know, everyone's concerned about chasing the dollar and everything else in this world. But if you don't have your personal health, you could have all the money in the world and it does not matter. You know, the old saying is, you know, the, uh, the CEO of the Fortune 500 company on his deathbed doesn't say, I wish I worked at the office more when there's no one around him. You know, um, money isn't the answer. You need to you need to have your health. And with greater health, we can interact with people. We can help people more. We can, you know, it's just, it's just a good thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm at the age, <laughs> Gregor, that I'm starting to think about this where it wasn't really much of a concern before I was 50, to tell you the truth. Yeah, of course. And this is just normal. When you're young, of course, your body can take a lot. It can. Your, our bodies are just miracles. They are miracles. How much crap they can take and how much real insult from the environment, from the food, from the alcohol, from smoking, from radiation, from all kinds of things, from the air we breathe, the water we drink, and so on. It's really astounding how much it can take. But everything then when you are older, comes back and it comes back double or triple, right? So nothing is, is let's say, free. Everything comes back. So yeah. that's why it's so important. But there are ways that, again, you can recuperate, not fully, but you, you know, it's never too late. That's what I'm saying. It's never too late. And also there's this notion that the older you are, ah, I don't need food, I'm old and so on. I don't need all of these vitamins. No, you need more of them. You know why? Because your body isn't as efficient as it was when you were young. It doesn't metabolize everything. It doesn't absorb things that you should be absorbing. So it's even more important that you eat better and you have all the supplements that you need and so on. So there is no excuse, actually. 
And it's never too late, in my opinion. You can always change. There are consequences if you smoke, if you drink, if you do this and that, of course. But you can always help your body manage these symptoms and these consequences by providing it with the nutrients, with the stuff it needs to work properly. And that's that's the whole thing. And of course, with cannabinoids, we can actually help in reducing some of the symptoms that many of us have as we get older. And uh, especially inflammation, as I mentioned, and the other important aspect is pain. Chronic pain is a major aspect. Many people in the world are suffering from chronic pain, and some of them are suffering 24 hours a day. Imagine a pain level of 9 or 10 from 1 to 10, and they're suffering with this pain all of the time. And this is where, again, cannabinoids are very interesting in how they can help because they can reduce this pain sensation without having the side effects that conventional medications usually have. Uh, so if we, if we compare cannabinoids with opioids, which are uh, the major, let's say, uh, compounds that are used for the reduction of pain, we, we know that opioids have severe side effects. Mm-hmm. They can also cause death, you know, and they can cause addiction. Mm. So, and it's interesting that studies have shown that opioids were never meant to be used for chronic pain treatment. They're very effective in acute pain and they work very fine. But with chronic pain, if we use them over a longer period of time, problems can arise. And due to their mechanisms of action, how they actually work in our body, we need to elevate the levels of these compounds to have the same effect. And after a certain level, there is a real risk of having adverse events and even death. Whereas with THC and cannabis, and especially talking about THC, there hasn't been a documented case of death because of THC. So nobody in the literature has been documented to to die from THC. That's another thing that a lot of people do not know. And and you can't overdose on it. That's that's what I'm talking about. You cannot overdose it. Well, you can overdose in the sense that you can have a really, really bad, let's say, um, sensation and uh, feeling and taking too much is not good, but you will not die from it. You might feel that you are dying, really, uh, but you will not die for it. And this is interesting. Why? Because in our brain, we have a region where uh, it's the pre-Botzinger complex, where we have these uh, centers for breathing. And as I mentioned before, uh, the targets of these cannabinoids are called cannabinoid receptors. And we also have opioid receptors. So opioids attach to these receptors, cannabinoids attach to the cannabinoid receptors. And in this region where we have the centers for breathing, there's virtually a lack of cannabinoid receptors. So actually THC cannot bind, they cannot have an effect because there are no receptors, there are no binding points, but there are opioid receptors. And that's why you can actually overdose in a sense, your breathing can stop if you take a very high amount of opioids. You can take a very, very high amount of THC and you will have a terrible experience sometimes, but you will not die. So that's another, again, issue that's very important, the adverse events and the safety of these compounds. And while talking about pain, 
cannabinoids might not reduce totally, completely the pain. You might still feel, let's say, some of the pain, but one of the most important things with cannabinoids is improvements in the quality of life. So that's an aspect that the majority of patients are talking about. I can sleep better. I can function better. I am not, let's say, zombified in a sense. I can function. I can go to work. I can go to school. I can take my kids uh, to, to, to the kindergarten and so on. So that's what patients, the majority of patients want. They just want to function normally. And this is where cannabinoids can give them this. And although it, it might not reduce 100% all of the symptoms, they're reduced enough that they can function. And this is very important again, you know. And this is why we're seeing that the highest rise of medical cannabis use is in over 65. Now, why? It's logical. The more you're getting old, the more problems you have. The more information you have, you have arthritis, you have all kinds of pains and so on. So cannabinoids are really uh, an interesting, let's say, uh, an interesting choice to try for the elderly. Uh, and, and and even I, I know that there's a, so I, I know a couple of people with arthritis and they use cannabinoid creams even, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and they yeah. say like, it's the best thing that they've, that they've ever tried. It's way better than taking any of the medicine that's been prescribed to them. And that's their testimony, not mine. Yes. And uh, I too agree. I, I've heard, and the interesting thing about applying cannabinoids topically so on the surface on the skin is that that they you can see or you can feel perceive the effects <coughs> very quickly you can feel the effects very quickly i know i have chronic chronic pain on on my leg because of a bite of a dog so i have a neuropathic pain because my nerves were in a sense damaged and when i apply this cream immediately i can feel a, a relief so that's very interesting. And of course, this goes into the different methods of cannabinoid assumption. So you can take them orally, you can inhale them, you can apply them topically, they're even suppositories and so on. And different, let's say, methods of uh, consuming have different effects. So, so Gregor, I want to kind of kind of leave it there because you've covered so much in this. And, and I'm going to put you on the spot while we're recording here. Uh, would you be willing to come back? Absolutely. So here's what I would like to cover is the real practical application uh, for, for probably the main things that are affecting society and the practical application of how to put, how to, how to use them. And, and even I'll, I'll take it a step further uh, for places, for people who live in those 35 States or people who live in Canada or other places like uh, you're actually allowed to grow a certain amount of plants and things like that. And, and I'm not talking about forgetting high because uh, honestly, I just, I'm just not going to endorse that. I'm not totally against it. I got to tell, you know, I'm going to be totally honest. Um, it's just, it's not for me. Uh, but however, I would like to talk about the practical applications of what people can even do themselves and then what they can't do themselves and they can go and get the, the medically uh, professionally done stuff as well. So would you be able to draw up some of those differences and, and things like that and walk us through it? Absolutely. For, for the next time I'll do a presentation. So we will have also graphical insights. So it will be a little bit more easier for our listeners to understand these things. And yeah, as you said, practical things, and we're only uh, talking about medicinal use. 
Yes. So, yeah, medicinal use, therapeutic use, the other uses are not really relevant for us. And again, uh, this is what we want to focus. It's about helping people. And you're right, helping people in a way that they can help themselves. That's the best way that they can help. They can actually do this themselves where they can. And it's it's really not rocket science. It's very easy. you know. And, so. and that's what I love about how you've explained all this. You really have uh, taken complex terms that everyone's heard all their lives and made it pretty easy to understand. You're a gifted teacher, Gregor. And, uh, and I'll tell you, there was no coincidence that we met uh, – on that chat, you know, God just lines things up. So I'm going to aim at about two weeks from now to have to have this uh, to have you come back and follow up because this is an important subject to follow up. Uh, you know, obviously we talk a lot about spiritual health and things like that, but your actual physical health is also uh, extremely important, especially as we're in a bit of a fight right now in this world, and you know, there's a lot of uh, very powerful entities and enterprises even coming against us and uh we're going to give you some tools to fight back so thank you very much gregor for for being here I'll, I'll be able to talk to you again in just one moment but ladies and gentlemen you understand some of the things he said and and part of the reason why i wanted to start off with his nutritional thing and and he got into the ingredients and obviously gregor's uh focus of study has been into the cannabinoids and things like that but even when we talked about the sunscreen and you know he said think about the chemicals that are in it and and stuff like that and then i'll even go a step further where is it made and where is it sold and who are you supporting by doing this have you gone on to uh you know the big chain that starts with a w and ends with a mart have you gone on to their site and seen $5,000 pairs of shoes that are uh, perfectly fit for a nine-year-old? Have you gone on to, you know, we know about Amazon and we know about the agenda and the spying and, you know, these people and the ingredients that go into this stuff. Why feed these multinational corporations? Why feed the, uh, the you know, the, the places that come up with these ingredients? And we want to get back more to nature. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why I'm taking a stand for liberty. I use the word liberty because I want freedom. And I want freedom from these big corporations who are partnering with, partnering with governments to put tyrannical order over us. They're poisoning us. They're doing all kinds of things. So by going to my liberty stand, listen, we're going to go to a family-owned, low uh, you know, very easy. We're going to go direct shopping, all natural ingredients made in the USA, made in Canada, available worldwide or in most developed countries. And by the way, you're all we're doing is we're taking your shopping habit, the stuff you're already buying. We're not talking about you buying things that you don't need. Like, you know, you probably use toothpaste. Why not use an all natural one? But they're superior products and they're at the same price. So go to my Liberty stand. And when you go there, uh, someone from our audience, who's actually already been trained and already going in and already experiencing how great these products are and how great the, uh, the, the program is, and it can really benefit you and your family. So just sign up for my Liberty stand. And one of your fellow listeners to write on radio is going to take you for a tour 
of the store. And look, there's there's no pressure. There's no sales. I want to be very clear. Uh, these are fellow listeners. They're not professional salespeople or anything like that. It's just like, here's what we're doing. And by the way, when we come together in our togetherness, you know, uh, we actually can make a pretty big impact. Listen, uh, we're 50,000 strong in the Ride On Radio family right now. But with, and then you add your friends and other people that you can convert. They don't have to be into God. They don't have to be into this. They just have to maybe love their country and stop wanting to poison their, uh, their family. You know, it's really that simple. It's not going to cost more. It's more convenient for, for just about everyone. So go to mylibertystand.com, put down your name and number, and one of our, uh, fellow listeners is going to contact you. So listen, thank you for being with us. And thank you again, McGregor. Oh my goodness. What a wonderful, wonderful interview. He is a wealth of information. He's a gifted teacher and uh, we're going to have him back real soon because there's so much more to, uh, to get out of him and to help you and your family. So speaking of family, remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor and make a difference in your community.